0: Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Warnod, and this is the Wonder Workers podcast. Wonder Workers is an interview-based podcast where I invite changemakers to talk about their experience, their mission, and drive towards impacting the world. And ultimately, to inspire, educate, and empower entrepreneurs, business leaders, and owners, and young people on how they can build together a more sustainable world. This community of wonderwalkers act behind the scenes to lead the world towards a new era of purpose, self-actualization and innovation. This is a generation who shows no limits to what they can accomplish, no tolerance for their humanization and use their uniqueness as a real power to change the world. We want to invite you, responsible leaders, entrepreneurs, young people, and all other listeners in your quest for purpose to give you too the power to change the world. But having powers alone does not make us superheroes. Even them need allies. It's only when we accept our differences, combine our powers, belong and thrive together that our forces can turn into superpowers. We are Wonder Walkers, a community of changemakers, entrepreneurs, business owners and aspiring ones who use their superpowers collectively to change the world. So tell me, what are your superpowers? In today's episode of Wonder Workers, I'm with Mary Krebs. I met Mary when I was at university and I was doing a part-time job as a sales assistant and she was also working as a sales assistant but were doing another job on the side so she was basically doing two jobs and we met at that point and we got along really really well and i think you know we kept each other contacts on linkedin and When I saw that she was now working as a people experience expert, I was like, oh, my God, I need to talk to her. I love the fact that she says, I'm a product manager, except my product is people experience. I mean, this is so cool, right? And yeah, I'm just so glad to have her on the podcast today to talk about her experience, how she got into the people field how she is now the head of people experience for a pretty big gaming company. And she has so much to say about, well, people experience, people engagement. I mean, we had such an interesting conversation and I'm very much looking forward for you to listen to it. But first, let me give you a bit of background about Mary. Mary is the head of people experience design at Build a Rocket Boy, a 350 plus person Series C gaming studio building a new multi-world game experience that will redefine how players connect with each other and the digital world around them. She's like a head of product, except the product is the employee experience and the users, employees. Together with her team, they create and drive a people-centric and high-performance culture for Build a Rocket Boy and the Rocketeers to grow and thrive. She also co-founded People Stories, a remote London-centric community of progressive people people who are eager to make the world of work a better place. I mean, that sounds so exciting. Let's jump in. Hi, Mary. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired, (laughs) tired. the christmas time and stuff i feel like it's always a very tiring time of the year but yeah i'm good very good how about you i'm
1: excellent thanks
0: christmas break aside i'm on my second day
1: in my new role so that's giving me all of the energy that i could ask for
0: well that's good it's good that you're full of energy especially at this time of the year and I can't wait to hear more about your new job and and what you do now but before we start I think it'd be good to hear from you about like who you are and your story wherever you you want to start really sure
1: okay I'm gonna try to keep it short and chronological I'll give you a whistle stop tour So I'm originally French and I moved to the UK because someone told me I could get a job that had nothing to do with my studies. And uh, for context, I studied languages and literature and didn't really want to be a teacher. So I thought, amazing. (laughs) Little did I know that I would start my career with an unpaid internship and folding clothes in a store to pay for rent on the side, which lasted longer than I intended. But that also is how I sort of discovered the world of operations because my internship became my first job and I was doing anything that needed to be done and then started becoming better at it. So I then entered my first adult job, really, Mm -hmm. at a proper company, if you will. And that was 10 people big, and that's learnably a marketplace for learning and development resources, where I started off as, well, my responsibilities were making sure there's always fruit and coffee in the office, being EA to the CEO and getting us ready ahead of the GDPR coming into law. Uh, coming into practice uh, that same year. So it was 2018. That's how I discovered that learning and development was a thing because that's learnably's bread and butter. I had no idea anyone could get paid to do that kind of stuff. And so I put my clothes into it and I didn't let go. I had very few friends, no family in London. I was in a small company. So I had a lot of free time that I would spend on learning and development and networking. And then I yeah, became the first people person there and put the foundations in place for the people experience. Then I left and because I'd moved to France um, as well, where I met my partner and then got what happened then i moved back to learnably because there was a new challenge the context had changed a lot since i'd left and so yeah it was just a, a really good opportunity to learn from their new head of people her name's lauren gomez and um, yeah she was super inspirational so so i went back to learnably and then moved back to the uk and then moved back to france because my partner that i met there in france the first time uh, because of brexit she's french so we needed to to go back then. Sorry, that's not such a concise version anymore, is it?
0: <laughs> I think there's there's so so many episodes in your story that you need to go back and forth to kind of find all the bits like the dots that connect together.
1: Yeah, I I hope it's not too convoluted. <laughs> I worked with Lauren on enabling performance outlearnably, and we put in place a values evolution. We put in place a career framework, a performance enablement process, and the result was a solid 12% quarter on quarter performance improvement across the company. I think the overall result in across three quarters was 37% improvement. And then I moved back to France to be with my partner that I just mentioned. So I, I couldn't stay with Learnably. And then what happened is quite serendipitous. Lauren found a new position in a gaming studio it was an accidental but beautiful opportunity and I joined her team so now I'm the head of people experience design over there. as of yesterday (laughs) wow
0: (laughs) yeah head of people experience that's quite a big title and I feel like because I I know your uh, your story as well because we spoke before the recording like you've accomplished so much in the people space like you're really an expert now right although you started from basically zero right because you told me when you started at learnably you actually had no experience in the people space so that's incredible to see like the journey and the step up that you had right
1: thanks my secret is that I, I, I just didn't know anything, and like that paradoxically was a competitive advantage because I just met so many other people who were in the same situation, and so we just helped each other out, and that was incredible for community building, for learning from each other, and uh, that's also why all the work that we've done at Learnably is open source to give back to Everyone who's participated directly or indirectly to building, well, helping me build the knowledge that I needed to, to do my job. And the other secret, um, I say secret, they're not really secrets, just way <laughs> of working, is also paradoxically, I have zero training in people experience or human resources or employee journeys, anything like that. So when I was at Learnably, I just turned around and and I asked people, what do you want from me? <laughs> and that's, I mean, I'm being silly about it, but that's how I started really. I mean, when you, when you're building a product, that's just doing user research. Little did I know. And then I started educating myself on user research methodologies product management methodologies right at the source not like people experience design just
0: Mm.
1: how does product management work and how can i apply it to the people experience and then learned a lot from a variety of wonderful mentors Um, Mm. like i didn't do anything by myself that's that's the ultimate secret
0: Yeah, loads of learnings here. And I'd love to kind of go back to some of the things that you said about your experience. How did you realize that you were, I mean, it sounds weird to say that because it it almost sounds like when did you get interested by people? But I mean, how did you fall into the people experience role or, or, or work really? So
1: when I first joined Learnably in more of an ops role, my manager was the CEO Raj. And I did not really believe that it was possible to have a trusting relationship at work or that work would ever look at my contribution and my potential as more than something to be used like another tool because that's the relationship that my family has with work, that my parents have, my friends, well, not all of my friends, but but that's kind of what I grew up with. So there was a lot of skepticism and a lot of fear in me. And it took me a good, what, six months to a year of Raj just being a genuinely caring person and helping me develop grow professionally to make me feel supported like i started working on public speaking i was terrified because i I used to faint so like there's no higher level of me being terrified about anything (laughs) i don't think and so i told him i think it would be good for me to work on that because it can give a lot back in me being able to present to people and, and and that kind of stuff The first ever time that I spoke in public without fainting was with him. He invited me to a conference with a lot of really lovely, more senior people about culture, company culture. And then at the end of the conference, there was maybe a group of 10 people and everyone had to share three key takeaways. Someone went, another person went, and then Raj looked at me and he was like, you've got this. And I thought, I'm no one. If if the CEO of this company thinks that I've got this, then surely I've got this. <laughs> and I just didn't question it. And so I went, don't get me wrong. It was terrifying. But I did it.
0: Yeah.
1: And so one thing leads to another. You know that you're not going to die. So you can probably do it again. And it's 1% by 1%. You end up doing podcasts with Laura. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you enjoy it now? I wouldn't go so far as to say I enjoy it,
1: (laughs) but I know the power it has, and I'm glad I can tap into that to hopefully help other people learn from what I have to share. And that's how I discovered that learning and development could really be meaningful for others because it became meaningful for me. And because Learnably was focused on doing that for employees, I learned that you could get paid to do a job in that kind of area, which again, I had no idea. To me, my life was like, you work in a supermarket or you work in a public service, something tangible, something I can experience. Someone I, could, I didn't know about like B2B people locked up in offices, mm. as fun as their jobs could be. So that's how I fell into into the people's sphere.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And that also showcased the really powerful influence of leadership and mentorship, meeting the right people at the right time too, because it's, it seems like you've been surrounded by great mentors and great managers as well. So that definitely helps to support you in in that direction and find the the, the things that you're interested about and that you want to develop in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I thought, well, if it's so powerful for me, I want to become one of these conduits that makes other people feel like that. And what is a more scalable way of having that kind of impact than being responsible for it at the
0: scale of the company? Definitely agree with that. And that's exactly how I feel as well with my work is, you know, the impact that we can have on people at work is huge and also so important, especially nowadays. I mean, we both started working in our spaces before COVID, but how funny it is that, you know, now it's actually like a really big topic for all organizations. So I think it's it's super important and powerful to have people like, you know, like you who are so passionate about transforming the people experience at work that's so important and I think something that's really interesting as well I love when you say I'm a product manager except my product is people experience (laughs) that's just me trying to explain what my job is yeah but that's so interesting and that's the thing like I'd love to if you can to know how do you explain the fact that your product manager. Before people experience, what what does that mean, really?
1: So, I again, like, I I didn't even know that that was the case before I heard it from other people. People like Jessica Swan, like Mariette Campbell, like Jubi Yao, and I'll I'll share all the resources that they've put out in the world around the topic. I think both came as a surprise for me that I was working in the HR job family and the product job family. I don't think. I don't know what I thought I was doing until then, but the focus of my role is the employee experience. It's the employee journey from branding the employer proposition to onboarding growth performance and so on, all the way through to offboarding. So that's the same as anyone who works on that is part of the HR job family, right? We have one focus. It's the people within the organization and their experience at work. Well, I mean, arguably HR doesn't have such a good rep, Mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly, because it's got a history of being born as an admin function. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily have a focus that expands to the experience that people have at work. Of course, some people do, some people would, but as an industry almost, it's not the majority of the practic- practic- practitioners, mm-hmm. not the majority <laughs> of the practitioners. So the reason why there's a shift in label and we're approaching it like a product manager and involving the employee's voice in shaping and co-creating that experience, why we're calling it people experience is to emphasize that there's a shift in ways of working, that we're working in agile You look at the 12 principles of Agile, they're exactly what we're doing, except instead of building an app, we're building an experience for people at a company. But all in all, the experience that players will have when they play the game of Build a Rocket Boy, when it launches, it should be just as good as the experience that we want people to have within Build a Rocket Boy as as the people team. Now, because it's a gaming studio, the one difference is... When you launch a game you've got you've got one shot because because your users are probably going to be ruthlessly passionate Mm. about what you put out in the world luckily exactly like in lauren's words the people experience is a bit more like a netflix subscription so if it's if you're having a bad stretch it's okay but if there's not a single drop of interesting or relevant content that's put out for six months you're going to move to movie you're going to move to HBO, Mm. you're just going to start looking elsewhere. So how can we build, yeah, something that's relevant, engaging, informed by people's own experiences and and co-created with them?
0: I love the analogy you've just made. I think that's, that's exactly that. And. I also find really interesting what you said about people being, I mean, the people team or people experience team being a part of HR for me. And you tell me what what you think about it. For me, it's almost two different things because I feel like there's already like a lot of confusion today between HR, the people team and the leadership team and whose role it is to actually engineer and embed and transform the people experience. Like, for example, when I, tell about my work as a workplace innovation consultant for fashion companies and that you know I look after culture and social impact and leadership people tell me oh so you basically work in HR I'm like "Uh, nope let me explain (laughs) and that's the thing I think HR is now using the label people because that looks cooler and because you know HR can now sound a bit like the old dusty uh, as you said admin like departments so I think it might be interesting for listeners to kind of talk about what is the difference between actually being the head of HR and being the head of people experience or people engagement
1: I tried to make sense of that when I realized that that was also my job, I'll share an article that I wrote to, to help make sense of it. And I'll, I'll go through it to give us a little bit of structure. I'll start with HR as a function and people as a function and what are the differences. So I'm not exactly going to answer between head of HR and, and head of people, mm-hmm. but I'm going to look yeah. at the functions to explain the differences to, in my perspective, right? Because it's, Truth is, it's an emerging profession. So some people are going to appropriate the label without making the change. Some people are going to put the label forward, but in a different way because it's an emerging profession, so there's no consensus. So here's my take. HR initially started existing for compliance admin purposes, right? And arguably, there's some of that in every function. Your marketing function also has to be GDPR compliant, but it's not your only, your only focus is not just the admin aspect of of your day-to-day. But HR was born as a function from that need. And then what happened is in the early 2000s, the internet became more of a thing. And for the first time in a long while, there was a shift and companies like Google, needed engineers more than engineers needed companies like Google because everyone wanted to hire them because it was an emerging job and the market was there and everyone needed engineers and there were few engineers. And so to be attractive to engineers, there was one dude at, at Google, his name is Laszlo Bock, I think, or Block, oh gosh, I can't remember, who looked at how... HR is being perceived by employees and the change, the meaningful changes that we can make to improve the employee experience, to be more attractive than competitors, because we need those engineers to keep being the number one X, Y, Z. What happened there was the birth of people operations. Why? Because operations had this reputation of getting shit done. And so, which came first, the chicken or the egg, I'm not sure, the ways of working the the label, but what's for certain is people operations was responsible for making like automated processes for looking at efficiency, for looking at principles behind decision-making, not only the reactive parts of the employee journey. Mm -hmm. Now, in my perspective, That is one pillar of how we make a great employee experience. It's having a smooth, automated, scalable processes for that experience. But it's not just that. You also need customer success partners who are your people partners, who are gonna be on the ground with the managers, helping them upskill, helping them navigate their day-to-day, but who are experienced specialists And then they're going to gather insights and pass it on to the team, which I'm responsible for at Bob, which is people experience design. So we're taking the heavy lifting away. We're doing the project work and building the infrastructure. So for example, building a proposal for a promotion, That's something that you might want the support of your people partner for because your manager is more on the technical and strategic aspect of your day-to-day. So you're probably going to ask support from your people partner as well to build a, a promotion pitch. But if you don't have a career framework in the first place, where do you start? So people experience design is responsible for creating the structure, the career framework, except... I'm not a data analyst. I'm not a, an engineer. I'm not all of these specialisms. So we absolutely need to co-create whatever we're going to put out there with the people who know better, with the people who've got... Yeah, so that so that it can be relevant to whatever it is they need it for.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost like HR is the business side of it while people experience is... The employee side of it i don't want to separate the two because obviously employees are part of businesses but it's almost like yeah hr is about compliance and what you know the business needs to do in terms of managing its employees while people experience is really about how do we manage the experience for the employees working there
1: yeah and i i think i think it sits a At the middle, at Mm -hmm. the intersection of business needs and people needs, because I think it's a misnomer to separate the people experience from the business and and performance element, like the commercial element, because you're not going to have the most commercially successful business you can. If your people are not performing at their best. Oh, yeah. And your people 100%. are not going to give you their best yeah. if you don't give them the best people experience. Yeah. So giving equal parental leave, it's not just about a feminist agenda. I mean, for me personally, it is also, Oh, yeah.
0: No, definitely. But
1: from a commercial perspective, it's got nothing to do with that. It is almost paradoxical it's it's led by the people the people are doing the work for you so you need to listen to the people and whatever they want to put in place is going to have to be relevant for your for your commercial needs so that mm. you get the most out of them because it's a mutually beneficial relationship
0: yeah no definitely and i think i i totally agree with you and i actually believe that employees are like the new customers we have to focus on them in order to do good business it's also a way to help the business basically i found interesting as well the way you went from learnably to building actually that community of people as well with people stories and we'll talk about that in a minute but I guess my next question is, you started in the startup world, and I'd love to know you know, what you think big companies can learn from startups, especially in the learning and development and people experience space, um, because what you've done at Learnably is so much growth and so much impact in such a short time. I'm wondering if big companies could actually use that as an example
1: there's more lifting because there's more people so you need more heavy lifting Mm
0: -hmm.
1: meaning you you can't necessarily move as fast right as a business there's more to take into consideration but it doesn't mean that you can't adopt agile ways of working maybe your design cycles are going to be over a longer period of time Mm -hmm. but it's still going to be more cost efficient than doing a project management way without any user input so In terms of business transformation and, and, well, exactly the kind of thing that you consult over, I think it's how can you adapt those ways of working that make successful startups successful and inject it so that you future-proof your business.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Would you like to have the same impact that you had? for a bigger company or are you happy being in small structures where growth is actually probably quicker in some ways?
1: That's an excellent question and I'm not sure I have an answer because I've never worked in a corporate company but I like the satisfaction of seeing the impact of my work and my team's work learned when we were 10 and the first time I left, we were 50. The second time we were 80. Mm -hmm. And now Build-A-Rocket Boy is 354 people today.
0: Okay. Um, So yeah, way mm -hmm. bigger than what you started with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it is a different kind of scale, Mm -hmm. but to be able to scale the impact Mm -hmm. of the design work, we're also a much bigger team at Learnably we were two Uh mm. Build a Rocket Boy we're going to be five
0: yeah that makes sense cool so I'd love to now switch to what you've done with people stories because I think that's actually a very interesting project that you've done and community that you created so can you explain to listeners what it is and what was the intention behind it and maybe where it's going uh. if there's a Direction. Sure. So, I mean, the
1: intention was, I got promoted into my first people job at Learnable. I turned around and what I saw was that I was uh, inexperienced, I had no idea what to do next. And I, I was the only person in that function, right? There was no other people person in the company. So I didn't know where to start. And I thought I cannot be the only one in that situation. So I I had um, I was part of an ops community already. So I asked the, the um, founders of the ops community to mentor me into building a people community for everyone who is as lost as I am and needs to figure out the same stuff. So that's how People Stories started. We had the support of another community uh, to get set up. And then COVID hit. So in the end, we're just a a Slack group, a peer-to-peer learning Slack group. So we've got like an application form, but it's not so much for people, people to prove their worth or anything like that. It's just to keep salespeople out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. And it's it's interesting because you said, yeah, I asked the Ops community founder to mentor me into building... My people community. What's the value of being mentored to build that community?
1: It's the, <laughs> you get the gift of foresight.
0: Mm. They can be
1: like, oh, you got to turn right because there's a pitfall right ahead
0: of you. <laughs> yeah, it's about sharing experiences and yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but it, it still took a fair amount of time. Again, I had a lot of that on my hands. So I, yeah. I didn't mind and I got a lot of, of value from it. I I could never have done a good job without every single person who joined that space. As for the future of it, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I feel your mentality is very much like hard work and go with the flow and a lot of learning
1: i need to focus on on my probation at at build a rocket boy at the moment i asked the co-founder of of people stories her name is Olya Mm Yaksina, and she is taking point on leading in in the day-to-day and as for the next steps strategy wise because it's still a growing community it's growing organically, so it needs it needs some kind of strategy and guidance. You can invite her on the podcast and ask her.
0: Yeah. Ah. Well, <laughs> you you jump to the last question of the podcast, which which was who would you like to hear from in in next in this podcast? Oh, so hey. <laughs> you got it. Perfect. I'll note that down then for one of my next episodes. Another question that I had for you is the podcast is made to inspire entrepreneurs and and business owners to make a a real impact in the world, whether it's a, a social impact, an environmental impact, a people impact. But it's also about inspiring and educating future generation and young people on the different types of things that they could do to also make an impact in the world and kind of choose the direction that they want to take for their future. So if you could give, I'll say One or two tips for young people who, you know, are looking to work in a fast-paced startup environment or want to create their own thing or engage in the future of people and work. What advice would you give?
1: Okay, two things. One is to speak to your point about impact and wanting to change the world. I would love to change the world, but it's a big place. And... You can only do it one step at a time. Scaling your impact starts with having an influence in your first circle, doing good work, empowering others to do the same. And then it's a sort of halo effect. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of patience because sometimes you see something that's challenging, that's just bigger than all of us. And you're like, where can I start to change that? will focus on whatever is closest to you and do that first and then work your way through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then don't be an island. I could have never gotten anything done if it wasn't for mentors, managers, communities. And if you don't know where to start, just reach out to random people on LinkedIn just spare thirty minutes, kind of go blind to start with. Not don't keep going blind forever, but it's it's okay to to start by asking people for favors and then ask what you give in return. There might be something you can give in return, and and whatever that is, be generous with it. It takes less time and energy than you think when you get so much back.
0: Yeah, d- definitely, and you know that's that's interesting because. At the very beginning, when I started my project, I was like, oh, my God, I'll have to reach to a ton of people so that I can you know, learn from their experience or ask them questions and so on. And I was kind of afraid to do it because I thought, oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to, you know, waste their time and so on. But actually, when you start reaching out to people and just, you know, asking them to have a chat and talk about their experience and learn from them, they're actually quite happy to do so. So believing that you know people are not gonna reply to you or like they're not available actually a lot of people make themselves available for others yeah and even if they don't that's okay the amount of
1: times that you're gonna stop yourself from doing something versus the amount of times where people are gonna be stopping you from doing something in a way that's mean, hurtful and going to make you regress. What's hurtful is like, no, your podcast (laughs) is the worst idea in the world. No one's ever going to talk to you like that unless they live in your head. Yeah. And if you do unfriend them, Mm. we always have the choice of, we're all going to have questions. If we ask them to only ourselves, it can so easily turn into anxiety because It's not always the nicest voice that's going to give you the answer just between you and you. If you put it outwards and you put it into the world, you give it the opportunity to live a life of its own. And that means chances, just taking chances. Maybe it's going to crash and burn, but also maybe not.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I'm so glad that we're going to finish that podcast on, So like such wisdom and good words and positivity. So that's great. I have, well, I usually have two signature questions, but because you answered the second one already, we're (laughs) going to just do the, the, the first one. On your point about changing the world, I guess no one has really the ambition to change the world, but everyone wants to, I think or at least a lot of people want to have an impact and be a part or like be one stone in the huge structure of changing the world. And that's why I called this podcast Wonder Workers is to really highlight the work of change makers and people who are trying to make an impact in the area. And so my last question is, what would you say is your superpower? Oh, God. (laughs)
1: Uh, <laughs> what would i say is my superpower but i think i think i don't withhold my questions curiosity then i well having curiosity is one thing but there has been a time where i was curious and super scared of asking any questions or maybe if you're in a new job and you're a junior and your manager's not next to you because you're working remotely and you're like, oh, where do I find the booking system for whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, it can be really hard to, to ask, to put your question to the other person because it's easier to make negative assumptions about how they're going to perceive you, etc. Mm-hmm. So my power is, is not so much being curious, but to be unafraid of asking questions asking how does this work why does it work like this Mm -hmm. sorry i did not understand can you explain it again slower like all of these are absolutely valid questions and asking them means that i can be equipped to then move on with whatever it is i need to do
0: well that's that's a very that's very powerful and a very good one thank you mary and thank you so much for being here today I mean I I really appreciate it and a fun fact is that I met Mary when we were working in sales for a fashion brand a couple years ago and I think we were both still kind of studying and and you know we were at the very very start of our journey slash career yeah I was in that
1: unpaid internship
0: yeah exactly yeah you were doing two jobs at the same yeah. time yeah and I was studying on the I side. I think you were
1: studying yeah yeah
0: exactly and I feel like it's it's so interesting to see the journey that you had since then and how much um oh, you know, such a long way yeah yeah <laughs> such no but a long way. For, I mean for both of us I think it's it's so cool to see like yeah. all the progress you've made and the impact you've made and how likewise like how good you seem in your in your job today. So um, I'm very glad for you.
1: Thanks. I'm happy for you, too.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here today. Great conversation.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Follow the Wonder Walkers podcast so that every two weeks you can get notified when a new episode is out. And I must say, if you don't, that's OK. But that would be a big miss because we have more inspiring and powerful guests to come. So let's meet up in two weeks for a new episode of Wonder Walkers, a podcast that transports you into the world of our modern change catalysts and empowers you too to change the world. This podcast is created and hosted by me, Laura Warnod, founder of The Culture Cabinet. Thank you to Contentist Queen for producing the podcast. But above all, thank you for listening. See you soon.